This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. Hello, you sexy sat stackers, and welcome to the latest episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast. As usual, I am Chris, and today is Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023, and that makes it DCA Wednesday. Uh, we're doing things just a tiny bit different today because uh, the laptop I'm working on got yoinked or yeeted or whatever. It took a hell of a fall. Uh, has a pretty big gash and dent in the case. Uh, the battery got puffed and went almost kerflui. Didn't catch on fire, fortunately. Uh, hard drive got fragged. So it was a disaster. I've got it mostly back to life. Brand new battery, new hard drive. Uh, but it isn't set up exactly the way I like it, and we're running out of Wednesday to get this podcast done. So this will probably be an audio-only rip. I'm rolling video as well on a backup camera, uh, but most likely that'll uh, only get posted later if video becomes a more important uh, part of the podcast and we decide to add it. In the meantime, we'll be fortunate to get this stack done before we run out of, before we run out of Wednesday. Real quick... I would like to start off by thanking those of you listening on your favorite podcasting 2.0 app, such as the Fountain app and the Breeze Wallet. We do not have any boosts today, but some of you did stream of sats because I saw those come rolling in. I just double-checked on the Fountain Wallet, and it isn't showing any boosts. Now, this has been a problem in the past, so um, sometimes if boosts come in on, on Breeze or something other than Fountain, uh, they, don't get a, they don't get appended as a note to the podcast, and they just disappear in the wallet uh, <clears throat> with thousands of other transactions. If you're streaming, streaming me one sat per minute, those each post in the wallet as one transaction, one transaction, one transaction. So if you end up streaming like a thousand sats, it's a thousand different transactions and somewhere in the middle if a boost comes in that isn't on Fountain, it can kind of get hidden in there. I digress. If you did send me a boost and I'm not reading it, please give me a DM on Twitter. On Twitter, we are at BTC Bulletin Pod or send me an email. Again, Twitter is BT, at BTC Bulletin Pod. And our email is bitcoinbulletin at protonmail.com. And I apologize if you point it out to me. I'll dig through the transaction history a little more thoroughly and, uh, and, and get that shout out or the boost read if there is, in fact, one that I, that I missed. However, I looked, I looked, I didn't, I didn't just glance at it. I did, in fact, check fairly thoroughly and I didn't, didn't see any. And speaking of podcast listeners, our listeners by country ranking changed just a little bit since last week. United States listeners dropped back down to the 52% that they had been pretty much for like the last six months. Last week, 53% of you were listening in the United States, and now it's back down to 52%. Argentina, Buenos Dias Amigos, remains number two at 14%. It's been consistently 14% for a long time. Germany dropped down by 1%, and Luxembourg popped up by 1%, but that's probably you, Leggy, just depending whether you're listening in Germany or, or Luxembourg based on the, the boost you sent last week. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, Guten Abend, 5%, fünf, uh, percent <laughs> of you are listening in Germany. That's down from 6% last week. And Luxembourg is up to uh, 3% of you instead of 2% last week. And then rounding out the top five is a uh, four-way tie between Canada, Spain, Venezuela, and Colombia, uh, all with 
of our listeners. So hello to you up north of us in Canada and hola, uh, buenos dias, buenas noches to our amigos in Spain, Venezuela, and Colombia. Thank you very much for listening. It's cool to see that the demographic is not just all Americans, uh, that people listening from all over the world, but so many of you Latin and South Americans uh, listening. I guess it's uh, mostly, uh, well, all South Americans, Venezuela, Argentina, Colombia, South America, and of course, España is in Europe, but still Spanish-speaking, uh, Latin-speaking, Spanish-speaking world. So uh, 52% of you, so the majority is still in the United States, but the majority of countries are Spanish-speaking countries, and that's, that's kind of cool. I barely speak Spanish. Uh, yo hablo un poquito español, and uh, probably not very good at that. And the Spanish that I did learn was more like Mexico Spanish as opposed to Spain Spanish. I know the different dialects everywhere. Um, one of these days, I'd like to go down to uh, visit those of you listening in, in uh, Argentina. There's, uh, there's some neat things to see down there. I was looking at some photos from Buenos Aires the other day online, and what a beautiful city. So that'd be neat to get to go down there. It'd be neat to get to visit each and every one of you. And speaking of uh, neat things, just mere hours ago, if you're a numbers person, if you're a palindrome type person, uh, we just had block 777777777. The uh, majority of people online seem to think that's neat. There's a few people out there saying, big deal, TikTok next block. And that's true. It doesn't really mean anything other than it's kind of a magic number. And that gets into that magic number theory and market psychology. And speaking of magic numbers, normies just like magic numbers. Uh, it reminds me of the movie The Right Stuff. If you ever saw the movie The Right Stuff, there's a lot that's historically not accurate in The Right Stuff. If, you, if you're into The Right Stuff, you should read General Chuck Yeager's book. I think it's Yeager. There's the title of it. It's autobiography. And it, it sets the record straight on, on, on those days. Uh, and there were a lot. It was a great movie, but, you know, it's Hollywood. And they took some artistic license for sure. But um, <clears throat> there was one scene in it, and it's right after Scott Crossfield uh, sets a new uh, record at Mach 2, breaking Chuck Yeager's Mach 1 record or whatever. And they're discussing that, and they said, basically, big deal. Chuck Yeager will just go up tomorrow and hit Mach 2.1. And the one guy says, yeah, but Mach 2 was the magic number. And he compares it to you know home runs or batting averages and says, basically, the, the public likes a nice round number. And there won't be another magic number that the public cares about, or there won't be anything that the public cares about until the next magic number comes along. And for Bitcoin right now, that magic number is 25K. If you're a TA guy, that seems to be serving as a pretty solid, um, a pretty stiff resistance right now. Bitcoin's been above 25,000 a couple times, but it seems to have bounced right off it pretty much every time it floats at 25K. There are a number of logical reasons why that would be the case, even if you think that transaction analysis is all hooey, that it's all BS. And basically that comes down to uh, just market psychology, that, that magic number. People get excited about specific numbers. There is no reason 24,999 is functionally any different than 25,001 other than human psychology. So personally, I think if you believe in that sort of thing, that once we finally break through 25,000 convincingly, uh, well, the next magic number is probably 30,000, something nice and around there. And it doesn't mean Bitcoin will shoot straight to 30, but it'll find the next magic number that people are comfortable with for whatever reason, you know, purely psychologically doesn't necessarily mean that there's anything special about that number other than that. And speaking of normies, everybody's favorite, not 80 percenter, 
Uh, Adam Meister at Tech Vault on Twitter has he's done he's done a couple of shows recently. You know he's gone on a on a one Bitcoin show hiatus, basically not doing any normal shows unless somebody pays him to do some shows. I think the last time I saw him mention he's about fifty dollars shy of his goal for doing a new show, but he did one show a freebie basically he said because of he wanted to talk about ordinals, uh, and then he did another one on uh, on Mardi Gras uh, from not from New Orleans, uh, but um, uh, he's in Louisiana, and I'm, I'm just it is Lafayette, he's in Lafayette, Louisiana, or he was at least when he filmed that. Um, but uh, that was that was a fun like seven minute uh, show, basically showing what uh, he was talking about fiat and how people value these uh, beads that you can get an entire bag from for a dollar. But uh, you know, when human psychology is right, people will do just about well. Women are stereotypical; will do certain things for those beads at Mardi Gras, and uh, and that kind of tied into that that uh the market psychology thing there the beads aren't even worth a dollar but at a certain time of the year at mardi gras people assign a value to those beads and it's purely just psychology uh he also spoke about ordinals and he's a fan of ordinals and mainly i think he's a fan of ordinals because he really liked the ui the ordinals wallet or whatever he was looking at he said had really really slick ui uh, he doesn't think they're going anywhere maybe what they're used for might evolve and change but he thinks they're here to stay uh, i think you know, the technology may be here to stay, but I think ordinals and, and, uh, and inscriptions as we know it is just really trendy. You know, where I live right now, anytime a new restaurant opens in town, you can't get anywhere near it. And the restaurant could absolutely suck. I mean, it could be a Taco Bell or whatever. It's just going to be packed. Everybody goes to the new restaurant. Everyone wants to be the first person there. And for like two weeks, it's all anybody does. You'll see all the locals are just at this new restaurant. And then they may never go again. Um, and again, that's just a human psychology thing. There's a lot of psychology that governs life, whether you're talking about uh, Bitcoin or, or, or otherwise. Anyway, uh, he believes that ordinals are here to stay, and he likes it because of the user interface. And then speaking of unpopular things, he did predict that Noster will be gone in a year. Uh, that'll be really unpopular with a bunch of Bitcoin maxis. One of the reasons I like Noster is because it's basically just a Bitcoin. It's, you know, it's an open, uncensorable, decentralized social media protocol, but Right now, it's predominantly Bitcoiners because, you know, it's new tech and Bitcoiners are tech people. Uh, but he says it'll be gone in a year because the UI is horrible, uh, saying that basically, quote, nobody is making it easy for me. If nobody's making it easy for someone like Adam, the normies aren't going to adopt it, basically. And then he went on to remind us of his 210,000 block theory. And that is basically the theory that if you go back in time on the, on the blockchain, 210,000 blocks, which is approximately four years, the price will always be more today than it was four years ago. Uh, and we broke that briefly, this bear market. There was a, a span of time where we did dip below the, the 210000 the prior price. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Black swan things like FTX, et cetera. Uh, but in general, that theory still holds true. And he went on to say that basically uh, this is the equivalent of 2019 right now. We're, we're basically functionally in 2019 as far as the, you know, the trend goes. And so uh, like, the, uh, so like the 2013, the, or the, the bear market will be over. He says the bear market will be officially over when Bitcoin re uh, reaches double, double its low. So that's about $32,000. So it, when Bitcoin breaches 32K, he'll consider the bear market officially over. He also said not to expect a new all-time high this year, just like we didn't see a new all-time high in 2019. Uh, we didn't set a new, a new all-time high until we didn't breach the previous all-time high and, and set a new all-time high until the end of 2020 after the 2020 having, uh, and then the was 2021 before the all-time high, you know, the dual peak all-time high of 
uh, where it topped at like 69,000. So speaking of that 210,000 block theory, if you go back exactly four years ago, not necessarily 210,000 blocks, uh, but precisely four years ago to uh, February 23rd, 2019, um, the price was $10,301. And uh, that is obviously significantly cheaper. I mean, that's less than half of where we are now. So that certainly helps to put things in perspective. Again, in December of 2020, Bitcoin had never been over $20,000 before. You know, that the all-time high people used to basically round up. The, the 2017 all-time high people would always round up to 20000 But it was really 18000 ish depending on what, what exchange you're getting your data from. And then uh, we had the 2020 halving, and, and Bitcoin kind of was fairly lackluster until December. So that goes along with that rule where basically after the Bitcoin halving, about six to 18 months later, we set a new, new all-time high. So we had the halving uh, in 2020. In December 2020, Bitcoin started just going parabolic again. And it was cool because Bitcoin broke like 24,000 on the 24th and 25,000 on the 25th. And the new all-time highs were corresponding with the day of the month. So pardon me, that was... That was really cool. Uh, but again, he's just putting things in perspective that Bitcoin is, Bitcoin is a long-term play. And even during the previous two hype cycles, either of them, when the media would talk about all the lucky people who got in early, it was always, if you had invested just $100 four years ago, of course, the big one was if you'd invested 10 years ago. But always it was, if you'd invested just four years ago, here's the percentage you were up, uh, whether it was 10X or whatever the case may be. But it was always... Um, if you invest in four years ago, I think when we have the 2024 having, uh, we'll, we're going to see that again and 25,000, whatever, 24,000, whatever we're at right now is going to, it's going to seem like a freaking bargain. Uh, and speaking of which, before we get any further into this, let's look over the, the Bitcoin vital statistics. Again, it's Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023, at least for a little while longer, depending where you're at. If you're in Europe, it's already Thursday. I apologize. Hopefully you did your DCA Wednesday stack already if you're stacking along with us. Currently, Bitcoin is at a block height of 777,878. So uh, 101 blocks higher than that 7777 number it hit last night. The current US dollar price of Bitcoin is 24,190, and that is up significantly. You know, if you are staring at the prices all day long, it's up significantly from where it was earlier today. It's almost exactly where it was a week ago. Last Wednesday, it was 24,330. So uh, this morning, uh, it had it had gone all the way down into the 22,800 range, 23,000. It was, it was about $1,000 cheaper than it is right now. Um, and uh, so if you're staring at the price charts, it was, you know, might need a, might need a Tums, right? It was, it could be pretty stressful, but if you just zoom out, even on a weekly basis, and here we are zoomed out with our DCA, looking at things just on Wednesdays on a, on a, on a seven day perspective, a seven day timeline, Bitcoin's at almost exactly where it was last week. That 24,190 US dollars means that you will receive 4,134 sats per cuck buck. Again, it was 4,098 sats last week, so almost exactly where it was. And speaking of blocks, we are 62,122 blocks away from that halving. Uh, that was looking like it's going to be April in April. It's going to be in April of 2024, probably. Again, that all depends on how fast blocks come in on average. They've been coming in really fast. They've slowed down in the last 24 hours, but the last several days they were coming in in the eight-minute range as opposed to the 10-minute range they're, they're supposed to come in. And because of that, Last week, it was looking like the halving was going to take place on April 24th, 2024. 
And now it's looking like it's going to be April 22nd, 2024. But that's just a guess because, um, again, it's going to come in at, at block 840,000, regardless of when that is. It's based on the, when, that, when it hits that block, not, not, on a, not on a human time scale. So um, that being said, it is coming whether you like it or not. Uh, TikTok next block. And when that having comes, if history doesn't just rhyme, but at least re- it doesn't repeat, but at least rhymes, uh, then it's going to be a good time. It, not, only the, not only the party atmosphere on the having, uh, because that's when people truly get excited because the next bull run is within your grasp. Bitcoin traditionally isn't at an all time, isn't it? It's, isn't it near its, you know, it's winter low, it's, it's bear market low by that point in time. It's, you know, closer to the previous all time high, uh, not necessarily at or above the previous all time high, but Closer to the previous all-time high, a lot closer than sixteen thousand anyway. Uh, so let's say it's around fifty. Who knows where it'll be? But if it's around fifty, it's going to be a lot more fun than it was when it was sixteen. Uh, so the party atmosphere really begins to heat up. People get excited because they know the next bull run, that next all-time high, is just around the corner, six to eighteen months away. Again, speaking of Adam Meister, like he says, Bitcoin always returns to its all-time high, always sets a new all-time high, and it usually does that after that having. The current price of Bitcoin means that it has a market capitalization of 466.8 billion. That's only that's 2.7 billion than last week, but you know when you're throwing around uh, market caps that are in the hundreds of billions of dollars, what's two 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 billion, right? So down 2.7 billion, but up significantly from the week before that, and the week before that, uh, and the week before that. So. I know a lot of you don't really care about market cap, but it is an important metric as Bitcoin gets larger, at least as far as those normies are concerned. And if there's going to be hyper-Bitcoinization, that means those normies and 80 percenters are going to be involved. And they like, uh, you know, looking at the market cap, is a, it's a representative way to look at the, at a, it's a picture, a representation of the overall value of Bitcoin that people find useful. And right now that's $466.8 billion. If you value your wealth in shiny yellow rocks, Today, it will cost you 13.3 ounces of gold to purchase just one Bitcoin. That's about a tenth of an ounce different than last week, but significantly more gold than it was going to cost when Peter Schiff told you that now was the time to bail out a Bitcoin and trade it for gold. I think it was in the 11 ounces of gold per Bitcoin range then. So once again, Peter Schiff, you continue to be the bottom signal, a contrarian indicator like, uh, like Jim Cramer. Uh, thank you for calling that bottom, Peter. And uh, I'm I'm sorry if you're lost. If you value your wealth in pizza, one Bitcoin will currently purchase you 1,433 Papa John's pizzas. That is a heck of a lot of pizza. That'll feed a family once a day for almost four years. I think that's about 3.9 years worth of pepperoni pizzas. 1,433 days of one large pepperoni pizza. Certainly a lot more than the two large Papa John's pizzas that Laszlo Hania got in uh, on the first Bitcoin pizza day when he spent, a hunt, was it 100,000 Bitcoin for two pizzas, 10,000 Bitcoin? Um, I'm spacing out on the numbers now, uh, especially with these bright studio lights shining in my face. Uh, it takes a while to get used to this setup. If you've never sat in front of bright studio lights, it feels like, uh, feels like you're being interrogated. Uh, you might notice me looking down a lot, and that's not just me looking at my notes. It's also me getting the glare out of my eyes. They also say the camera adds 20 pounds. They used to say the camera adds 20 pounds. And then 10K, uh, I'm sorry, 4K, 1080 came along and people were like, holy cow, 1080 makes all the most beautiful people look really hideous. You can see every pore on your face. And now, uh, and we're filming this in, in 1080, but 4K, um, egad. Uh, it's not very flattering. 
I, it's funny now because when people used to people used to cake on stage makeup because bright lighting washes you out and that's why uh, they put on so much thick makeup on Broadway performances or in the movies or on the television Anchorman. But as resolutions got higher, the makeup started making the Anchorman look more like Tammy Faye Baker. You know, you could really see the makeup caked on. I digress. I'm just uh, talking about the bright light right there and the bright light right there. You can see I was washed out my hand. Uh, so thank God for LEDs because I can imagine how hot they would be. LED technology is really cool. That's another example of government should just get the heck out of the way and let people innovate because I don't know if you're old enough to remember, but uh, the government basically outlawed the, the incandescent light bulb and mandated that, that you switch to compact fluorescence. And compact fluorescents are horrible. They don't save anywhere near as much energy as, the, uh, as these LEDs. These LEDs are almost, they use almost no electricity, whereas a compact fluorescent, you know, a 60-watt bulb would be using like 35 watts or whatever, whereas an LED would use like 2 watts. Uh, but they're also full of mercury. And literally, if you break a fluorescent light bulb, it's a hazmat situation. You're not supposed to just clean it up. You're not supposed to dust it. You're not supposed to breathe anywhere near it. Uh, but, you know, instead of letting uh, industry and technology innovate, they, they jump in and they mandate something. And they've screwed up when it comes to light bulbs. And that's just one example of why government should just stay out of the way and let the innovators do the innovating. I think that's very pertinent when it comes to Bitcoin. And speaking of getting in the way, uh, the mempool had been completely clogged the last two weeks. The last week, there were 65 blocks with the transactions pending in the mempool. That was up from 49 blocks the week before as more ordinals and inscriptions were clogging up mempools. We saw that almost clear out this weekend. It didn't quite clear. The lowest I saw it get was five blocks with the transactions pending. Um, but that's a lot better than the 65 last week. Currently, there's 14 blocks of transactions. 14 blocks for the transactions pending in the mempool. Uh, so things are getting better. Maybe that ordinals inscriptions fan is fading, fat is fading. Uh, maybe that people are just getting sick of paying a, you know, a lot of money uh, for their inscription just to sit in the mempool. Uh, who knows? But either way, the mempool is clearing out. It isn't clear, uh, but it's clearer. And as a result, the, the minimum fee that it will cost to guarantee that an on-chain transaction is included in the next block is dropped dramatically. Last week, that was 26 sats per V-byte, and now it's only 12 sats per V-byte. Uh, so that's, that's down quite a bit. And along those lines, uh, it says that one sat per byte transactions will still not clear within a day. But uh, who knows? If, you, if you're comfortable uh, waiting for your transaction to clear and you need to do an on-chain transaction, or, of course, obviously, if you use replace by, free, by fee where you can bump that transaction later, and it says 52.9% of pending transactions right now are RBF, are replaced by fee. So uh, if I were going to do a transaction right now and I'm not, uh, I would probably feel comfortable trying a one sat per V-byte transaction, especially if it was RBF. Uh, but uh, either way, it's saying 12 sats per V-byte will, will clear in the next block, seven in the next hour, and two within a day. So uh, that's certainly getting a lot better than we were just last week. And speaking of on-chain activity, that metric that you know I like to follow, my personal favorite metric, uh, just from my own observations in doing this podcast for the last almost two years, Bitcoin's on-chain 24-hour transaction rate is down significantly from the last two weeks. Last week, it was screaming at 3.78 transactions per second. Right now, it's down to 3.3 transactions per second, which is above the 3.5 transactions per second I like to see. I've noticed 
since we've been doing this podcast, anytime Bitcoin is up above 3.15 transactions per second, the price is usually trending upward. Below that, we usually see pullbacks. Uh, I don't know where it was when Bitcoin was down $1,000 earlier today, but at the moment, it's at 3.3, and Bitcoin isn't performing spectacularly, but it's 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 hanging in there. Definitely, if you compare the price to just a, a couple hours ago, and if you if you did buy the a couple hours ago, then congratulations, you bought the dip, or what appears to be the dip. And speaking of on-chain activity, uh, we're still about a little less than two days away from the next Bitcoin mining difficulty adjustment. So it's been about two weeks since the last difficulty adjustment. That was a decrease, a mining difficulty decrease of 0.5%. Um, since then, blocks have been screaming in. As I mentioned, they were faster than nine minutes uh, per block on average earlier. But last night when I was waiting for 777777 to get mined, they were taking 25 to 30 minutes a block. So things are slowing down. Uh, and as a result, uh, the expected increase has reduced a bit as well, although it's still projected to be a gigantic increase. Uh, in about 298 blocks or about two days, uh, we're looking at a mining difficulty increase of anywhere between 10.1 and 11%. So basically 10.5, 11% ish. And that's because blocks are currently averaging nine minutes and one seconds, uh, nine minutes, one second between blocks. Obviously, the Bitcoin Core protocol is designed for blocks to have a 10 minute average time between blocks. And again, that's an average. Sometimes blocks come in like two back to back. And last night, like I was saying, some were taking. A half an hour or more. I've seen blocks take up to two hours, um, but again, it's an average. So if you, and they average it out over every you know, 2016 blocks. So if you add up all the blocks and all the time divided by 2016, it should average 10 minutes per block. If it's coming in faster, then the mining difficulty increases upward to slow it down so that we get that 10 minute block time or close to it. If it's coming in slower, then you get a difficulty decrease. So, you know, blocks speed up. Uh, and Right now, we're looking at a fairly substantial increase. All right, uh, where was I? I had just gotten done talking about uh, Adam Meister and his 210,000 block theory and the price of Bitcoin. Of course, right now, the biggest news on Bitcoin always seems to be the price. People are getting excited about whether or not the bear market is officially over or not. Uh, that market cap is still significantly lower than when it was over a trillion. During the last bull run, I think you have to be around $52,000 for Bitcoin for it to be about a trillion dollar market cap. Uh, I believe we'll see that before the end of the year. If trends follow, you know, the, if the trajectory follows the, the, the trajectory of the previous two halving cycles, maybe we'll see that by this summer. I don't have a crystal ball. Anything could happen. Uh, but one way to look at Bitcoin and it's one, $1 trillion dollar market cap is that's really not a lot. I mean, if, if forget hyper-Bitcoinization, forget everybody using Bitcoin as the new global reserve currency. If you think of Bitcoin as just a stock that normies are really into, a trillion dollars is basically Tesla. You know, it, would it be that odd to assume that enough people would invest in, in, would, in, would convert their fiat into Bitcoin, that it would be similar to the amount of money people had invested in Tesla? I mean, that's all it really takes for Bitcoin to be that, that one trillion market cap. If you look at the top five companies by market cap, Apple, for example, has a $2.356 trillion market cap. Saudi Aramco is number two right now. I think they bumped Microsoft recently. They've got a $1.9 trillion market cap. Microsoft is number three right below them at $1.872 trillion. Alphabet at $1.173 trillion. 
Amazon's been hammered recently. They're less than a trillion now, but they're still 981.5 billion. Uh, if you just take the combined market cap of the top five companies, those top five companies, that's 8.28 trillion. If enough people around the world converted enough fiat into Bitcoin, we're holding enough Bitcoin to equal just what people in the United States alone basically have invested in the top five companies. Uh, that's 17, that, that'd be basically uh, $828 trillion. That's 17.8 times the current market cap of Bitcoin. Uh, that would be a $430,582 uh, Bitcoin. Uh, and that's just Bitcoin acting like, you know, a, a, a fund of the top five companies on U.S. exchanges. And that's just U.S. companies on U.S. exchanges. Uh, you know, when people wonder how Bitcoin can hit a million, if Bitcoin, if Bitcoin were a company, if Bitcoin were traded on the New York Stock Exchange, it wouldn't even be in the top five. You know, it has half the market, not even half the market cap of Amazon, not even half the market cap of Amazon. Literally, if, if Bitcoin just became equivalent to like the fifth largest company on the New York Stock Exchange, uh, we'd be talking $50,000 Bitcoin. Uh, and you know Bitcoin can run, you know, huge, huge bumps really fast. Uh, give one second. I'm, I'm hearing an annoying noise. And I'm going to play with something on my soundboard real quick. Not 100% turn where that's coming from. I think that's the fan on my my laptop giving me fits. Uh, I'm running the stock noise canceling on this soundboard, which is probably a mistake because Adobe Audition does a lot better. Uh, it's just normally the soundboard's denoise uh, cleans up the audio really well, and then I just don't have to mess with it. Uh, when I go to produce and upload the audio, it, it's a lot faster. Um, but I'm hearing that ringing noise, and I'm limping this laptop along, and the, you know the one that took that fall. Nobody in the family, are, by the way, is willing to fess up for who, who ripped my laptop off the desk and smashed it up. Um, uh, but, uh, I digress. And if that's annoying, I apologize. I'm trying to adjust this mic a little bit further away from the laptop. I even have my laptop on an external cooling pad so that, um, it's fan won't have to work as hard, uh, because you cannot hear the fan on the, on the cooling pad. Um, all right, where was I? We were talking about market cap. Spi finally, speaking of companies, this is how silly normies are. Uh, the headline this morning was, the evil empire, Coinbase global shares jumped after the crypto exchange's fourth quarter revenue of $629.1 million came in above Wall Street expectations, significantly above Wall Street expectations. So despite all the turmoil out there, enough of you still are trading and keeping your Bitcoin on exchanges that the evil empire is making record profits. This despite the fact that they laid off 20% of their employees in January, just a month ago. Um, Get your, get your coins off exchanges, people. And uh, if Coinbase is the best choice for you, you know, do your own research. If, it, if it's the exchange that's best for you, then you know, that's a decision you have to make. But there's so many better ways to buy Bitcoin. Don't use Coinbase if you don't have to. Uh, you know, if, obviously, if you can find a non, a no KYC way to, to acquire your Bitcoin, that's the best. But uh, most people are going to use KYC exchanges, and a lot of you are using Coinbase. And despite the fact that they just laid off 20% of their workforce, uh, they shattered Wall Street expectations uh, on their fourth quarter revenue. All right, so why are we here today? 
we are here today because today is Wednesday. And every Wednesday, as you know, is DCA Wednesday. If you don't know what DCA is, DCA is short for dollar cost averaging. And dollar cost averaging is, quote, an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals, regardless of price. For example, this is going to be our 83rd stack. We started stacking every Wednesday. That's our regular interval. And we started stacking just $20. That would be our equal portion uh, every Wednesday back on July 28th of 2021. So not quite two years ago. And in that time, at just $20 a stack, we've stacked a total of 82 times and stacked a total of $1,640, including $36.90 in fees. And that has scored us a stack of 5.6 million Satoshis, a little, little more than 5.6 million sats. So two of the things I wanted to show, I wanted to test out about DCA, was uh, is DCA a good strategy? And I think as we spoke about in the last couple episodes, uh, currently, we are way ahead um, having DCA of than we would have been if we had YOLO'd in and done a lump sum investment in July of 2021, like a million and a half sats more than we would have had if we YOLO'd in in 2021. Uh, but the other th and perhaps the most important thing as I wanted to show is that people always ask if they're too late, if they've missed out, uh, or if they've only got X number of dollars, if that's too little, if it's even worth their time and money. And it's usually a number like $100 or $500 or $10,000, whatever that number is. It's always a lot more than $20. And so I wanted to show that for the normie pleb out there that can only maybe scrape up $20, even $20 a week adds up fast. Uh, and I think we've successfully shown that in that we've stacked 5,633,000 sats in less than two years at just $20 a pop. And we're going to add to that stack today using the Cash App. And the reason I use Cash App is because I think it's about the easiest way to stack sats. They do charge a little bit more than a lot of services charge, a lot of exchanges charge, and that is why we've spent uh, $36.90 in fees. There are exchanges that will let you stack cheaper, but for $20 stacks, we're going to spend $0.45 cents in fees. So that's negligible. More importantly, when I go to transfer those sats to my hardware wallet, Cash App will let me transfer for free. So that's going to make up for that uh, $0.45 cent fee because the mining fees right now are, are going to be more than 45 cents. And if you are transferring from like Coinbase, for example, they'll charge you a mining fee, maybe a dollar or $2 to transfer those sats to your hardware wallet. So really quickly, uh, whatever you saved in fees, that makes up for it. Um, the other reason not cash app is they let you add money instantly, spend it instantly, and then immediately transfer it to your hardware wallet. No waiting, no, no lockup periods. So um, I don't keep any money in my cash app and I just added 20 bucks and it's already there for me to spend. So I'm going to tap Bitcoin, tap buy, tap $20, tap confirm, and boom, just like that, we purchased another 79,720 Satoshis. Uh, that's going to raise our stack up to 5,713,052 sats. But perhaps more importantly, that's lowered our average cost basis again. Nowhere near as much as it was lowering when Bitcoin was in the teens, but it's dropped our average cost basis by another $56.16. Uh, our current average cost basis is $29,056.27. Obviously, that is less than Bitcoin is worth, but once Bitcoin goes above $29,056.27, we will be in the green. When Bitcoin sets a new all-time high, $29,000 is going to look like a freaking bargain. And the longer Bitcoin stays under 29,000, the more we're going to lower that 
average cost basis. For example, uh, we've knocked that average cost basis down by $283.48 in February. Uh, and we knocked it down by $674 in, in January. And December, we knocked it down by $1,295 and by almost $2,000 in November and September. So that's one of the neat things about dollar cost averaging, as you can see, uh, by slowly but surely uh, adding to our stack, uh, adding, you know, just $20, that uh, equal portion at a regular interval. Uh, we've not only stacked a decent amount of uh, Satoshis, but we've also smoothed out our average cost basis instead of being uh looking at your stack saying i you know i aped in at sixty nine thousand, or i aped in at fifty thousand, or even hey i thought forty thousand was the bottom and i aped in at 40 well you know we bought at all those prices but on average it's like we bought at twenty nine thousand. so uh, that smoothed that out quite a bit that's pretty much all i have time to talk about today uh, my laptop has given me fits and so far it is still working but i don't want to push my luck any further uh, if I get everything working, maybe I'll have time to do a supplementary weekend update or whatever. Uh, but in the meantime, I will be back next Wednesday uh, and every Wednesday, although there is a Wednesday coming up in a week or two that we may be delayed because I'm going to be on the road. Maybe I'll get more into that next Wednesday. Uh, but until then, uh, we will be right here next Wednesday and every Wednesday until Bitcoin goes to the moon. Bitcoin, go for some crazy reason, goes to zero and maybe there's just no more Bitcoin to stack. Uh, but as long as there's Bitcoin out there, we're going to be snapping up $20 of the Bitcoin every Wednesday. Until that time, though, keep on stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers. <laughs>